everyone. Here we are with Tiffany Finney. She's in Switzerland, right, Tiffany? Uh, we are here in Central America. It's so cool to have someone from another part of the world and the other side of the world. So let us talk about Tiffany. I will give you a little bit of context, but I truly know that she will give you more of what I have, what I can, can provide to you. So Tiffany is a global visual effects and animation recruiter. She is the founder of Talent Outpost. Tiffany has been working for nearly 20 years in hiring people in over 50 plus feature films, TV, commercials, games, and access to 100,000 people across the entire industry. So Tiffany, talk to us about your experience in recruiting within this industry. So just to give a little bit of context for Talent Outpost, I started my company when I moved to Switzerland in 2016 and then kind of spent the first year of my time here in Switzerland to go and be, learn how to set up a company in Switzerland because that involves learning German, which was not my, which is not my first language. Um, but for myself going and getting into recruiting, I think like many recruiters, it's that nobody goes to school to be a recruiter. We kind of find our own organic way there. So, you know, some individuals come into this career via production or an artistic path, or, you know, maybe they studied human resources and they just kind of fell in love with animation and visual effects. My story is actually is that I went to school for computer graphics animation. So I have my bachelor's degree in computer graphics animation. This was in the late 90s, early 2000s. I was heavily inspired by, you know, ants and the first toys. And I was like, you know, this is part of this transition from 2D to 3D. Um, and I know I knew that I was really interested in animation. I've been making flip books since I was a child, but I was at this, you know, turning point in the industry between 2D and 3D and having to make that choice and what to study. And I chose computer graphics because it felt like it was where the industry was going at that time. Um, and then I kind of navigated and found my way over into recruitment because what I learned about myself is that I like people. I'm pretty outgoing. So for me to be, you know, heads down drawing or doing my artwork all day, I was probably like, I was the annoying one in the studios with my first jobs being like, hey, did you watch that television show last night? What are you doing this weekend? And everybody's like, Tiffany, stop talking. We're trying to do our work. Like, let us draw. Let us, you know, animate our shot. Um, so that was my first clue that maybe, you know, my best place in the industry is another part of the industry. Um, and so then when I got into recruiting, I actually was mentored by Isla Abramson, who was a recruiter on the very first Shrek movie. And she had started up her own recruiting agency. And I got in contact with her through ASIFA East, which is the chapter in New York. And I was like, how do you do what you do? And that was a little bit of my, you know, gateway and my foot into the door into recruiting and for animation and learning under the wing of someone else. But since, you know, those early early days, I had the opportunity to work at DreamWorks Animation for nearly five years, um, eventually leading their industry and university outreach team. I went into mobile games at Zynga, the creator of Farmville. Um, that's kind of their biggest claim to fame. I was there. And then I also worked at Google as a technical recruiter. And this was all before starting my own agency, um, Talent Outpost, which now we help multiple studios hire and fill some of their hardest to fill roles. So a lot of executives, supervisors, heads of departments. And then also when they're in a little bit of a crunch, 
helping them to go and crew up specific departments too. And Tiffany, now that we're talking about outposts in your company, you're being an entrepreneur and so inspiring for many young entrepreneurs right now. Uh, can you talk to us about the company and the business inside? And also, how do you how do you attract candidates for this type or methodologies that you use to attract this type of candidates? Yeah, no, it's a good question. So with going and starting your own company and also your own recruitment firm, I would say like any recruitment function, even if you're a brand new studio, um, there's kind of, there comes a point where you hire your friends. So I often say it's like, when you're starting your new studio, who did you go to college with? Who did you work in the past with? And so you hire your friends and you hire your friends of friends. And around 30 to 50 people is when you start running out of people that you know to be able to hire and recruiting becomes a bit more important. So each studio and their size has their own transition and their own processes to kind of make recruitment function well for themselves. But a part of that is organization, having a framework for how you want to go and interview candidates that align to your philosophy, your timeline, identifying your values. And then obviously it's going and finding those candidates who are a really great fit too. And so for finding candidates, it's a little bit of matchmaking between the studio and the candidate and what each other's strengths are. So I often have this conversation with studios is that, you know, there's a studio that has a project and they have a need of who they want to hire. So here's the problem, the studio and the problem, and they're looking for someone to come and help solve their problem. So maybe their problem is they have too many shots and not enough people to do it within the production timeline. Or maybe their problem is, is that they're building out a new part of their pipeline or a new workflow and they need someone very senior and technical to go and help define what that process looks like. So what is the problem? And so then the problem gets solved by us finding an individual. And my role is really about the studio, the problem, and people who could potentially help them with what they're working towards or what their solution is. And it's, you know, rinse and repeat in this dynamic. But to know what problems that they have and who they might need is asking really good questions to be able to kind of, you know, humans are great. Like we, it's one of those things where I can help you find anybody that you want to find and hire whoever you want to hire. But first you need to tell me what you need. And that's when people go, oh, oh, like having to go and define it. Right. And it's the same thing with a candidate to be like, I really want to work in animation. I'll do any job. But really, what part of animation? Like, what problem do you solve? And you're like, I don't know. Right. So it's a little bit of asking good questions to go and peel that back so that we can go and match the candidate to the right studio. Because, you know, sometimes people are really trying to apply at studios that they're not the right fit for. It's not personal. Yeah, It's just that their skills are actually really better suited for another studio. And so it's a lot of matching, you know, where you fit and to kind of set you up to be your best successful artist to go and make that project look really, really great. So that's one part of kind of understanding the positioning and then going and finding people. You know, a lot of it is sourcing. So um, the difference between an in-house recruiting team versus working with someone like me who does ex executive search and kind of high-level recruiting is that with an internal recruitment team, you'll have the job post. It'll be on the website and it's kind of like an open call for everyone. And the recruiters themselves are often 
first and foremost, managing the applications that are coming through to go and evaluate and take a look at it. And then they're having to go and manage a lot of internal pieces that, you know, their amount of time to actually do deep dive sourcing. And that means going on the internet, just finding, you know, people who's worked on past projects, you know, scouring LinkedIn, scouring ArtStation, scouring, you know, Vimeo to go and find reels. Um, they just don't have as much time to be able to go and dig into that. Whereas a headhunter, my entire life is sourcing. Um, so, you know, I'm like, like you kind of mentioned about, you know, how many people we have in our database, so 100,000. And that's who I've needed. Like there's a billion people that, you know, across all of these different sectors of our industry that we could go and hire into roles. But it's knowing how do you fish? Um, so those are a little bit of what those components are and how you go and you find people really, I kind of describe it. It's kind of, if you're someone saying like, you want to go and find a swordfish, I'm not going to go to the great lakes in North America and try to find a swordfish. There's no swordfish there. Like that's not where they grow. That's not where they hang out. So you want to go where the fish are and each sector of our industry has, you know, a different flavor of fish and each sector of our industry, um, you know, each department hangs out at different places. So, you know, where the engineers are hanging out versus, you know, look dev artists versus animators, it's kind of like you need to frequent their hot spots to be able to go and find them. And so that's a little bit of, you know, the analogy of how we go and we find people and seeing where these little data trends and where people are gathering around. Yeah. And that is how you promote and also you market yourself. We're mm -hmm. different from other internal recruiting teams that have a lot of things to do and million things to do, not yeah. only recruiting. So that is one positive point on that. So how do you handle yeah. a lot of things or you have to specialize yeah. in certain things to give the clients better candidates? How do you manage that? Well, one part is kind of like how we're segmenting the industry. And I think oftentimes, you know, at the very top level, it's between animation and visual effects, but you can also do another cross section of television episodic versus feature film. And then you also have, you know, this other, you know, really important sector, which is commercials. And so the skill set and really applies across this band. And I'm not even touching games. Like games has a whole other cross section, which is console, mobile, PC. Um, and then I won't even go into Web3 because like that's still me wrap, wrapping my head around this. Um, but like I said, there's there's this cross section of an industry where there's a lot of overlap and the skill set can be really applicable. And so as a candidate going and taking a look at that, you know, I work with um, my team and also with, you know, right now I'm in a, doing a mentor circle and we do what I call kind of the clients, the studio client matrix. And it's kind of understanding it's a little bit like a studio plaid for, again, animation, visual effects, television, feature film, commercials. Um, and I have these different combinations that for you to go and identify what is your matrix. And so once you know your matrix, as what you're interested in or the projects that you're attracted to, then you can go and narrow it down to what studios might be a really good fit. And you can do that on a personal level, but I also do that from a recruiting point of view when I'm sourcing. 
So if I know a studio goes and specializes, say, in, you know, doing television animation, they have a really strong 3D, but almost like a 2D aesthetic on their 3D plus 2D animation. So they're kind of doing a little bit of 2D, 3D hybrid, depending on the shows, how they're building that out. I'm going to be mindful of them like, well, who else within this style or within this pipeline tool set is also doing similar work? and kind of attacking it the same way. So I'll think about that from a studio perspective and having context about how that's working. And then you go and you break it down. For me, when I'm looking for people, what do they call their artists that might've worked on that show? And so that's a little bit knowing some of the titling and the vernacular and like I said, where where people are hiding. Um, Because, you know, an example of that would be uh, Pixar. Like everybody there is pretty much called like a digital technical director, uh, you know, like they all, you know, externally facing kind of, you know, what they probably have on their offer letter is like a really generic title, but they do character effects, they do effects, they do lighting. And so it's kind of peeling back the layers to know where individuals fit. So that's one part from an industry perspective of how you're kind of thinking about it, and being able to go and source. And once you in each role, I'll go and approach it a little bit differently, but it's kind of like, where's your entry point into this dynamic? What does a typical timeline in recruiting looks like? Are there available positions right now for future candidates, Tiffany? Yeah, so the timeline for availability will depend on seniority. So, you know, if you're a junior candidate versus a mid-level senior to a head of department, they all have a little bit of a different timeline. So say... Personally, the fastest I've ever hired someone from job open to job close, like, you know, yeah. as smooth as possible, everybody loves each other, is 21 days from no contact to offer accept. Oh. That's the fastest okay. I've ever had someone go through this. Um, because you have to be mindful. It's like we're reviewing, you're having a first conversation. When is our supervisors available to do an interview? Like there's a human cadence and a pace to how we how we work and when people's availability is. But the more senior an individual, that can be, you know, sometimes 60, 60 plus days um, being able to hire them because they're having to oversee a team or a department or they're really owning an executive function. So they're going to be meeting with a lot more people. And we need to make sure that philosophy and values align for the studio and the organization because if they're misaligned, I call it creative sparring on with senior leadership in the teams. You need to have the right people with aligned values because when you're going in to do what's best for the project, you know that everybody's intention is to all be facing in the same direction versus if the values are misaligned, it's an unnecessary tension that it will just become harder to overcome. So more senior roles take a little bit longer because we want to make sure that those value alignments are in sync. That's how you make sure you have a successful team and a successful project. Are there job opportunities right now so they can? Yeah. Maybe there's one that I can catch on here. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, you know, I think that for opportunities and what's available to you. So yeah. For us, like right now, what I'm currently hiring for, like I have a European studio that we're hiring compositors for. Everybody in the world right now is hiring compositors. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I also have very senior roles, which, you know, I have a team 
uh, or I have a project that's just starting the ramp up. So we're literally hiring their animation director, their animation supervisors, their head of lighting. And so we have um, some of these very senior roles that we're laying in. And once we have the senior roles, then those individuals can start to interview the teams underneath them, right? It's a little bit of a domino effect of how you build production. Um, but as for junior candidates and where to go and consider where your opportunities are. So the most important thing for a junior candidate in evaluating where they can apply, and it, I want to say it seems obvious, but you don't kind of know how much you need to have this in your own awareness, is that you need to go and apply for studios where you have the work authorization to work in that country. So whether it's your home country, you know you can work in your home country. And the next step is then going and taking a look at, you know, for your country and with your passport, every country has different allies globally where you can work. And one of the benefits of being a more junior candidate or younger is that because of, you know, countries having alliances, or I want to say like like working holiday visas or, you know, a youth mobility program, it's going and being aware of, you know, with you and your passport, where do you have power to go and find other countries where you can go into? And then you can start to see what studios and opportunities are in those countries too. And so I often advise to kind of become aware of what your matrix is um, because that's when you're a junior candidate, that's going to go and define your like where your opportunities are to go and get started. And then once you have a few shows under your belt, then more and more the world starts to open up to you because each country also has specialized skill set visas. But the studio needs to make the case why they need to hire you and not someone who currently lives in their country. And so this is really true for opportunities in the U.S. Like, you know, those visa applications and how they're written by very smart lawyers, you would think the studio would fail and go bankrupt if they never hired this person. Like it's so kind of grandiose and over the top um, how some of these things are written. But that's the most extreme case scenario, you know, the U.S. and kind of, you know, going and getting in you know, one of these specialty visas. But each country has, like I said, some different dynamics and kind of your points of entry for you to be able to find those opportunities. And there are countries, you know, for here in Europe, um, more in Eastern Europe countries, like you just need a high school diploma and they can get you a work visa for going there. So again, it depends on the country and kind of whatever is their version of a brain drain where people are kind of migrating and what they need for their own, you know, growing economy in the industry. But that just takes a little bit of investigation. And I, like I said, knowing your passport, identifying where you might have some youth mobility options. And the other place that you can go and take a look at is, you know, in your home country, what embassies do you have in your country? And you can literally call them up or write an email saying like, hey, I'm from this country. I know that you have an embassy here. Are there any partnerships, you know, that, you know, my country has with your country for me to be able to work there, you know, as, you know, a working holiday? Um, and then you can easily kind of get to know where you have your opportunities. I took advantage of that a lot when I was younger. <laughs> yeah, as everyone. Yeah, of course. We have to be creative in very 
difficult times, creativity is the best tool. And yeah. well, Tiffany, we are almost at the end of the podcast and we would like to know what do we expect from you and also talent outpost for the next years? Yeah. So, you know, I think that for this upcoming year, as always, we're working on animation and visual effects projects. So that's, you know, where we're going and helping to recruit. You're more than welcome to follow me on LinkedIn. Um, so I'm at, you know, Tiffany Feeney. You can put my name in there. And then what I would also encourage people that are listening to your podcast would be to go and visit our website, talent-outpost.com, because we have a resource section. And one of those resource sections is we have um, a salary guide that you can go and use these tools to go and identify what you could earn. And many of these tools are not location specific, so you can go and find for country to country. And one of the newer things that we've added is we also have a 2023 features guide. So this goes and outlays both animation and visual effects projects that will be re releasing throughout 2023, including which production studios did the work. Hint, hint, there's, you know, some opportunities there for you to identify more companies. And then last but not least, um, at the end of last year, we just kind of created and started promoting our resume makeover kit specifically for animation in the visual effects industry. So, you know, outside, you know, maybe going to a university, you might have gotten some CV advice, but for our industry and laying it out well, I see a lot of bad resumes. And so this is, you know, my swan song to go and help other individuals really showcase what they can do, not just on their reel, but also how they're communicating what they're working on. 